Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hello, hello. How are you today? I am doing so great. I am very excited for you to hear this episode with Sarah Vaughn. It was just a blast. I've never done an episode like this. Maybe never will again. Um, Here's the deal. Sarah Vaughn is a professional runner, but she also has a full-time job as a realtor. She's very competitive. You'll hear about that. And uh, she's married with three kids, the youngest of which is under one year old. In fact, she just stopped breastfeeding, oh, a month or so before the Olympic trials. Um, Sarah was in the finals of the 1500 meters at the U.S. Olympic track and field trials probably the only person in her category, which I say is mom of three kids, one of which under one year old. And her story, in my opinion, should have been told time and again. Um, It really wasn't shared that much. And I want to get it out there for all of you to hear. The really cool thing is that I bribed her to come over to my house for dinner um, while Tim is out of town. Actually, we have a trampoline, and as I mentioned, she has three kids, so I figured kids can entertain selves while we watch through the window in the recording studio, and uh, what could possibly go wrong? And as you'll hear, there were, I think, three intermissions. Um, There was some crying, but it had nothing to do with injuries. We were very safe out there. Uh, Mostly it was that my child, Wilder, had not napped yet that day and uh, therefore was on edge. We'll have to do another episode on napping at some point. But in the meantime, it was a really, really cool episode. I know you're going to love and enjoy it. And uh, make sure you check out on NicoleDeBoom.com the show notes because I'll put some photos in there. You can see what Sarah looks like. She's just incredible. All right, everyone. I am so excited to be sitting here in my home recording studio, which is really cool, isn't it, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, with Sarah Vaughn, rock star, running rock star, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so, so excited. So, Sarah, I first, like, figured out who you were when we were neighbors up in the North Boulder, like, park area, Mm -hmm. and I saw this guy who looked extra fit, but that's not unusual for Boulder, Colorado, and a couple of like complete monkey girls. Mm -hmm. And they were playing some game on the monkey bars. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a cute game. And literally walked away and I came back like an hour and a half later and they were still playing. (laughs) Yeah. My husband was right in there with them. Yes. He totally was. And I realized like this family has some athletic prowess. (laughs) So um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today was because I've always respected you as an athlete, but more than that, you're a mom of three and you're working a full-time career as well outside of doing sports. And recently you had such an incredible run at like run in general, but run up to the run um, at Olympic trials. Thank you. And I just feel like your story needs to be told. So 
I think we should just dive right in. Okay. I want to share with people, first of all, you got seventh in the Olympic trials Mm -hmm. in the 1500 meter, Mm -hmm. which is to me probably one of the most painful races you can do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we're going to talk about pain tolerance in a little bit. Okay. But I want to understand, how did you get there? Like, how does someone at your stage and age in life still care enough and want to do this and have the passion and the commitment to get to the finals of the Olympic trials? I wasn't sure that I would get there even up until two days before I was there. So it was just kind of taking one day at a time. And I remember coming back from this most recent pregnancy, telling myself, pretty much up until two months ago that I had to be okay with not getting there. Like if it didn't happen, I still had to be okay with that. I had to be okay with um, being a recreational runner, which is also awesome. And, and I just not, it's not who I had been the past 10 years, but I I had to be okay with just being that, just enjoying running for what it was and maybe not um, achieving the success I had in the past. And uh, just kept telling myself that the whole way through. But I kept trying anyway, sort of in spite of itself. So, yeah. So, like, um, leading up to the trial, so where did you qualify? So, it's kind of funny. I qualified in the worst, most stressful way possible. I didn't actually qualify. So, for the U.S. trials, they have a time standard. And this oh. year, it was 409.5. Oh. And if you run 409.5, you get the automatic spot. You don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. You can book your flight two months out. Everything's good. But sometimes they don't fill the field with qualifiers. So this year, there were only 25 automatic time qualifiers, and they take 30. And I was 29th on the descending order list. So they fill up the field and shuffle everybody in, and I got accepted maybe four days before (laughs) the race, the weekend before, so five or six days before. Wow. So I didn't actually, I mean, I, I qualified. I squeaked in. I love that. You're a squeaker. I'm a squeaker. It was so stressful. I counted the descending order list a hundred times, making sure everybody has to confirm too. And there's a confirmation deadline. So up until that, half of the people had confirmed, half of them might run the 5k or the 800 or uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. They, you're not sure. And so if everybody confirms, where was I? I was 31st for a long time. And I was, (laughs) it was very stressful. So, but I made it in. And then at that point I was like, I have nothing to lose. Like, let's just go for it. Let's just see what happens. That is amazing. You know, sometimes I think that those situations take some of the pressure off. Totally. Wow. So here's the other cool thing. So you've got three kids and the youngest of which is how old? She just turned 11 months. 11 months. And um, I remember seeing you in the locker room. Like, I think you were breastfeeding her like Mm -hmm. three, you know, like six (laughs) months ago in the locker room and still kind of on your getting back track. Mm -hmm. And so at what point did you realize, like, I actually might have a shot of making trials? I'm not sure if there was a definitive moment or workout or anything like that, because like I said, I just kept telling myself I had to be okay with the alternative. Um, I, I don't know. It just, it started to click about a month ago or a month before the trials. I had a few good races. I started to feel like my old self and there was a little spark and, and then I won a, I won a race, uh, about three weeks out from the trials. And I was like, okay, that felt good. I can still do this. Um, but yeah, leading into that, it was just a lot of hard work without any big results. Just a lot of, lot of grinding, a lot of sweating and some tears too. <laughs> Definitely tears. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it sounds like you had momentum. And I think in sports, momentum is a really powerful thing. Yeah. Because 
you won that one race. Like there's these little carrots that kind of keep pushing you along, right? Yeah. Although I will say sometimes you have to sort of build your own momentum because between the race that I won and the trials, I went to another race where I finished last. Oh. In fact, I didn't even want to finish, but I made myself. So I had actually (laughs) negative momentum. I had, yeah, going into the trials. So. Oh my gosh. Okay. So. So you just create your own momentum sometimes. So let's talk about Olympic trials for a minute because this is a really cool story. So you're running the 1500. Mm -hmm. So I think of that as, oh, I don't know, in swimming, it's like the 400 IM. Yeah. It's like the worst event. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really painful. Super painful. Yeah. And, um, and it does, it's not like over before you know it, like there's enough pain that you really feel it. Um, and you had to run it three times. Yeah, in right? four days. Three yeah. times in four days. Mm-hmm. So when you when uh, okay, so tell us about just take us through the process. So the trials are such an amazing event. It's one of the biggest track meets in general, um, especially in this continent. You know, you go to Europe and you might get twenty thousand people, but in the states, it's the only meet, and it happens every four years, and it's a really big deal. Um, and everybody in Oregon and especially in the small town of Eugene knows why you're there. Um, and in my event, they take 30, they do in the first round, it's three heats of 10 women and they only eliminate six women the first round. And there are six automatic qualifiers from each heat. So you have to, you have to be in the top six to get to the next round. They have 24 in the next round and then they take it down to 12. So the second round, the semifinals Mm -hmm. is the pretty super stressful one where you just like, it's usually pretty slow and then you kick really hard the last 400 and um, it's about positioning and tactics and maybe getting a little lucky. Um, And so they take the top five from both heats and two time qualifiers. Um, Yeah. And then the finals is, is two days later and it's 12 women and it's usually all out. It's. So, so that's how it usually goes. How did it go for you this time? Tell us about the first heat, first round. First round, um, I ended up automatically qualifying and advancing through the whole meet. And the first round was what restarted my momentum, I would say, because I wasn't sure how I would feel. I was feeling really awful about 10 days before I'd had a series of races where I had a few good ones, but then that really mm-hmm. awful one at the end. And I had not done much as far as workouts and hard training leading into it. I just wanted to rest and if I made it in, great. I wanted to feel good. And that first round, I I ended up drawing hip one, which means I'm on the inside of the track. And I tend to get off the line really quickly. So I find myself in the lead of the race. And I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then um, Jenny Simpson, presumably the favorite of the whole event, a world champion, um, comes around me. And I just sit on her tail for the whole race. And I'm able to race her the whole way. And I closed in like... 61 second last lap my gosh and and I got an automatic I think I I got the second to last I was fifth the first round so it was easy automatic advance Mm -hmm. to the next round and after that I was like wow that felt really good I can't believe I've been waiting for a race to feel like that for all year so going into the second round I just basically did the exact same thing I drew hip two I got off the line I went into the inside I went to the lead for a little bit Jenny came around me again same thing closed in 61 seconds again it was it was almost the exact same race but quite a bit faster um in general but yeah it was was the same thing it was awesome it was having good races you know is mostly fitness and mentality but it also takes a little bit of luck and just yeah the way the way the race goes and the way the cards are dealt and just worked out so how what was your time in the first round for uh 
16 or and something like that. What was your time in this pre 410. 410. Yeah. Whoa, that's really close to the automatic qualifier, Or maybe if it too. was maybe it was 411. And then in the finals I ran 410 again. Gosh, and I watched you on TV in the finals and probably a lot of people here, yeah. you know, listening did as well. So, you were leading part of the finals. Yeah, so I it's taken me a week to process this race, but um yeah, I mean where I am now looking back, like what I did was what I had to do at the time. I didn't have, again, the automatic qualifier for the Olympic mm-hmm. Games. So there's an automatic qualifier for the U.S. championships, but there's also a little faster one, 407, for the Olympic Games. And you had to have that, that day was the deadline to get it. So you had to get it in the race if you didn't have it before. And I was one of two women in the race who didn't have it. Um, so again, I drew hip one on the inside, got out to the lead was waiting right. for somebody to come around me. But when you're a person who already has the standard, no reason to press right, it. Right, right, right. And so 300 meters into the race, I was like, come on, where somebody. And there were only a few people who I would have actually trusted to let, let right. take over. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of those people came up. It was somebody else who was kind of on my shoulder. And at that point, I couldn't afford to slow down to let somebody pass me. You know, 66 seconds per lap is right on the edge of that time qualifier and we we ran 66 seconds the first lap and then maybe we slowed down to like 68 so I knew I knew at that point you know 800 meters into the race I knew I I couldn't afford to give the lead to somebody else so I just had to keep going and gamble and see what I could come up with at the end and um Jenny ended up coming around me at about a k uh 500 meters to go into the race and even then I just tried to stick on her heels as as well as I could yeah I mean I, I was still in it with 200 meters to go and I got I got clipped a little bit. I got kicked from the from the side, and it was enough just to disrupt my stride, but also my focus. I think that yeah. was you know if I if I have if I had one error, one takeaway, something I could fix, it was that. Not only did my rhythm get broken up, but like my, my focus just snapped yeah. just like that, and then all of a sudden they had five meters on me before I even like could snap out of it. So wow. that's how it went. And you know, again, I I don't think my fitness was there to like maybe maybe I could have finished one or two places higher but I I don't think I was quite ready to make the Olympic team no matter how the race went but I I did what I what I had to in the in the situation in the race I mean I was so proud we were cheering Wilder my daughter was like that's Kiki and Kalia's and Cassidy's mom (laughs) you know it was like a celebration over here because we knew you were an underdog yeah and we know what you're about and what you go through in your life and it's not 100% full-time training by any means right you are a juggling mom doing Mm -hmm. it all so I mean it was so fun to watch that and one of my favorite parts was at the end when I think you were interviewed by somebody and your quote was like you were thanking your babysitters yeah (laughs) well I mean I running is some days it's a luxury I mean I don't always have two hours out of my day to to take to myself so uh, I have to make it a priority and um, babysitters rally sport in general like Mm -hmm. child care there and, and swim team and everybody who pitches in like that's allows me to do what I do so did you grow up a runner Mm-mm. All right. No. Tell us. Tell us yeah. about your so background. So I did gymnastics for ten years, um, and then going into high school, my I grew up in small town in Nebraska, and my gym closed down, like it went out of business, and I had no, 
no place to do gymnastics. And so it was in the fall and I was going into my freshman year of high school and my mom's like, well, the cross country team's like meeting a block away from where my gym used to be. And she's like, you're dressed to work out. Why don't you just go run with these runners? Ah. So that's what I did. It was really fun. And runners are awesome people. That's what immediately drew me to the sport. They're just runners in general are good people. So how does like, how old were you when you stopped gymnastics and started running? I would have been 14 ish. And so your build, were you already sort of a gymnast kind of build? Totally. I was always pretty short um, and very muscular, which is fine now. But when you're in high school and middle school, it's not always like the most desirable. I was like, (laughs) I always had pretty big shoulders and arms and legs and just really muscular. I would call you a little person. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not, I'm not tall. Yeah. No, but you're, you're lean and you're like kind of a small frame. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny. We were talking a little bit earlier about that. uh, When at a certain age, girls, especially, and boys do this too, go into kind of a dark place about their bodies Mm -hmm. and they start watching everything their parents do and all Mm -hmm. that. Did you grow up with any of that paranoia? You just sort of mentioned it. Um, I'm, I'm aware of it because I have daughters, but I was really fortunate. I was raised mostly by my father and I feel like dads, especially with girls, that dynamic is really important when mm-hmm. it comes to body image. Like we as moms can tell our daughters that they're they're beautiful and we can do everything we can and we can model certain behaviors, but I don't know, I feel like there's something special when that reinforcement comes from yeah. from the opposite gender, which is maybe a little old fashioned and not I don't know, everybody's um but I, I don't know if that's how I feel with my girls. I see it with my husband. Oh, we're gonna have a little intermission. Oh, what's going on? Let's let's pause. Yep. Okay, we're back. Um, crisis averted. <laughs> it was a small fruit spill, <laughs> and um, they're Wilder's fine. And actually, this is a really really cool podcast because our daughters are playing together while we're chatting. So we may have another break. We'll see what happens out there. Um, but I love this concept and this um this issue of body image. And growing up, athletes were often stronger mentally and physically, you know, and have a, have a maybe stronger body image because we know our bodies are used in a different way. Mm -hmm. But, um, and Sarah, you mentioned that you grew up feeling pretty strong and and powerful. But one thing I notice about elite athletes and especially runners is that especially in the uniforms and the outfits they have to wear, I could just imagine that causing problems for women. Have you seen any of this? Yeah, I think especially because in big Olympic years like this, too, a lot of the meets are on TV, so there's even more eyes on and more attention on Mm -hmm. the sport in general. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. I think coming back this year, I even was more cognizant of it than I had been in the past because coming back from having a baby, my body was a lot different than I'm used to, a lot Mm -hmm. bigger in certain areas than it was before. And, yeah, you're just you're really aware of it and you know, I've seen it get the best of, of some women, unfortunately, but um, I think for me, just remembering, even when I have a little extra jiggle or something coming over the top, I remember my first couple races, honestly, this is weird, but I was running behind somebody and I could feel my back, like something right here, kind of jiggling with every step. And I was super aware of it. And at the same time, I was like, but I'm still running with this woman. My body's still doing what I've been training to do. So that will take care of itself eventually. Let's just focus on the process of, of actually doing the work. 
That is amazing. You're still constantly fighting it, you know? Like, it's still there. It's still our society mm-hmm. in general, so. It, it's true. And, you know, but to the same point, you're an elite athlete who people who've seen you on TV are like, oh, yeah, right, she doesn't jiggle anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We're all women. Mm-hmm. We all jiggle. Mm-hmm. I remember after having Wilder, I felt like my butt was a different part of my body. Mine for the sure first time is. I tried to run, <laughs> I was like, what is that thing? Like, it's like an appendage. Yeah. It kind of is, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so it does take time. It does. Yeah. yeah. But it's very cool because here you've given birth to three kids. Okay, actually, we got to go backwards. You're a very young mom, mm-hmm. and you had your first kid while you were still in college, yes. right? Yep. So how on earth, first of all, you're still married to the same guy. Yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. That shows some kind of great yeah. strength and resolve because you were kids when you met. We were. Yeah, we were babies. I mean, I was I was 19 when I got pregnant with Kiki, um, and we were in college. I was a sophomore. But kind of like we were talking about earlier, to have a good race, it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of... Um, determination, but it's also a little bit of luck. Like my husband's awesome and it worked out for us. And I, I mean, we do work hard at our marriage now, but you know, we, we also got a little lucky that we're compatible and that we made it work and, you know, 10 years and two more kids later, it's it's still fun. So how do you, so you get pregnant while you're running at CU, right? While on birth control also. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And your husband also an elite runner. Yeah. And, uh, has he been an, an Olympian or an Olympic no, trials but very athlete? close. Yeah, yeah, he's competed at three trials. Yeah. So same interests that you've pursued throughout your marriage. Um, so you get married at 19. Mm-hmm. Then I, was, you, I was, actually got married at 21, sorry. but that's oh. okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. great. So we had a baby at 20. Awesome. Married at 21, yeah. Unconventional. Definitely. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, did, uh, okay, so you graduated college. I did. And just took a little nine month break or not even? <laughs> um, how did, so how did that go? So, uh, for me, I was a sophomore when I got pregnant. I had her the fall of the next year. Um, and then I graduated a year and a half later. So I had five, let's see, most people do five years of college and I got done in four. Well, most athletes take five because I have a red shirt. So I redshirted when I was pregnant with Kiki. Ended up graduating a year early because I had a one-year-old and I was really tired. Um, oh my gosh. So, yeah. Well, I feel, okay, so I had a baby at 40 and I'm, I always say, well, gosh, if I could have been like 25, I'm sure I would have been a lot less tired or had more energy. Is that a myth? Um... <laughs> I no, I don't. You know. only know what you know. I mean, exactly. I I think I can tell you. My my oldest is almost ten, and I can tell you coming back from her pregnancy and like how I felt then was way easier than how I felt this year. Wow. So and and I'm and I'm thirty. So it was yeah. it was a lot harder. Okay, I want to I want to talk about running through pregnancy. Okay. Did you run all the way up to the end? First one, yeah, because I was nineteen, twenty years old, you and did. it was awesome. I felt yeah. amazing. I did strides the day I went into labor. It was. Oh easy, my easy, gosh. So did you have a natural birth or did you have a C-section? No, no C-section. Um, I was induced with her, which whatever it was, what it was, it, I, it was, it went fine. She was healthy and I was healthy in the end. And, um, 
And then, yeah, five years later, I had Kalia natural birth and then natural birth with Cassidy. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Because I always look at the little people, you know, (laughs) with the little hips. And I'm like, there's no way she got that baby out. The human body is so amazing. It is so amazing. I know. Gosh. Okay, so... What your your pain tolerance just must be off the charts. I mean, I maybe I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you really don't know much different, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because I uh, I feel that my pain tolerance increased a lot after having a kid, even though I ended up with the C section. But it's the whole process so, of conditioning your body for yeah. nine months. Yeah, I feel like. I definitely felt a lot more empowered. Maybe I don't know. That's maybe that's the same thing as pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. Like you know mentally that you can handle it, whatever yeah. it is. So yeah. Sure. Okay, so you never really got to live a life as a full time professional athlete without kids mm-hmm. and just being selfish and mm-hmm. you know doing everything for you. How how much training would a, a normal pro athlete put in compared to you? I think I probably do 90% of what I would do, but I don't have all that sitting around obsessing about track for every hour of the day. Right. So uh, I, I, I had a feeling you were going to ask me this question because it does cross my mind sometimes. Like what would I have done with my running career if I had waited to have kids and only focused on running? And I don't know that I would have been exponentially better than what I've done now. I think I do the majority of what I would have done as far as work wise, like work volume. Um, and then I think it's almost healthier for most people to have a little bit of balance in their life. I think a few people can pull it off where they only focus on track and running mm-hmm. all the time, but I don't function well that way. So I think for me, it's actually worked out really well. So how much is, how much is success in running mental versus physical? So much. I mean, I think fitness, obviously you have to put in the work, but when it comes to racing and performance, that's way more mental mm-hmm. I mean everybody's fit when you get to the Olympic trials everybody's in really good shape and you know one or two seconds really isn't that much difference fitness wise and I think everybody's right there within that range but the people who perform they have it right they have the right mentality going into it that's that's who wins at the end of the day that's who makes the Olympic team or has a good performance because you know you watch people who are really good at what they do and they just make it look easy and you think oh it must not hurt at all but do you always hurt in your races? Do they always hit a point where you're like, I should just drop out? <laughs> like it's I really think, hard. Honestly, I have that cross my mind every single race. Why do I do this? I should probably drop out. Like it hurts that bad every time. Um, but I think when you can push past that and just keep sticking your nose in it, keep keep trying, um, you can kind of re-engage mentally and get back mm-hmm. and get the positive momentum going even within the race. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, I do think also a lot of people ask that question, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Like right when they get to the starting line. That's the worst five minutes of my life every (laughs) single time. (laughs) So if you're listening, yeah, even the best people go through this. But, you know, at the trials, I think I really tried to hone in on they hold you on the line forever because of commercials and whatever. So you're standing there staring at 20,000 people. And I remember four years ago at the Olympic trials, almost throwing up. Like it was so awful. It's such an uncomfortable situation. And this year I, I knew it was going to be like that. And I just kept telling myself, I had a mantra, just, I want to be here. This is what I want. I want to be here. Um, I want to race. I want to race these women on this starting line right now. And I just kind of kept telling myself that whether I believed it or not. And it overrides those other scary thoughts. I think that's brilliant. People talk about mantras a lot. 
I think that can be used in a race. I think it can be used in a marriage. Mm-hmm. I think it can be used with your kids. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have you. Yeah. I wanted you, to have you. you. Just will it into fruition. You're like, mm, yep, yep, totally. Oh, I love that. Oh, another oh. intermission. Hold on. All right, we're back. <laughs> another crisis averted. Um, the four and six year old crowds are demanding. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> So uh, I want to ask a little bit, talk a little bit about being married to somebody who's also a high, high functioning athlete. Let's call him. Um, so you guys obviously met young and has Brent transitioned out of competitive racing? Not officially. Okay. Yeah. No, I think he still has hopes of coming back and doing the marathon. Uh-huh. Um, I think we, for him, because the first seven years of our marriage was everything we did, where we lived, what we did day to day was based on his running. I think right now he feels like he wants to get us as a family in a place where he's comfortable financially and, um, just like settled before he kind of goes back to pursue running at a high level. And hopefully he gets there soon. Cause yeah. you know, he's 31, which is running out of time in the elite running world. Um, but I think he's almost there and I think he'll, I think he'll come back and do a marathon in the next year and a half. You know, probably he's got, another decade mm-hmm. right but um but there will be points of diminishing returns along the way yeah. right and you too yeah you've probably got at least two more olympic trials i hope so i mean i think one although it's taken me a few days to wrap my brain around that like another four years of oh my gosh you need a break first yeah are you gonna pop out any more kids no, in between no, 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 no. <laughs> i think my husband poor guy is secretly holding out hope for a boy but i think we are <laughs> done with that yeah well it sounds like birth control doesn't even matter i mean right so there you go gosh we're obviously um yeah we're obviously (laughs) not very good at that so we'll see we'll see what happens um okay so you also have a job Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about it yeah i'm a realtor at sotheby's in boulder um i love it it's awesome i love my job so why do a lot of athletes get into real estate what is it about that job that you know, requires the skills that you're great at? Hmm, That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I think for me personally, it offered the flexibility that I needed. Nobody wants to look at houses at 8 a.m. So I get to work out at 8 a.m. It's true. (laughs) You know, Um, and there's a little bit of competitiveness in it. Like right now, I'm still a little bit of a rookie, especially I, I just am newly um into the Sotheby's office so I'm a little bit of a rookie even more so in their um in their office so I I want to compete I want to be the top selling agent in my office eventually I want to do all these Mm -hmm. things that um that you can measure and (laughs) yeah for sure you know I think there's like a little bit of a myth behind I'm going to get good enough to quit my job and that, and a lot of athletes have that as a goal and then yeah. they quit their job and they never get better. Yeah. And so there's something about the balance of having a career that Absolutely. outside of your racing. Yeah. I think also a lot of athletes in the track world too, they try to straight out of college, skip having a job altogether. And then you end up being injured or having to retire or whatever with, with zero skills, zero work skills. And you're kind of hard to hire at that point. So I think that my number one piece of advice to college athletes coming out of um, college and wanting to pursue running is to take some balance. Even if you don't think you need it, there's very few athletes who perform their best when they're solely focused on running. And even those athletes, I think could probably benefit from a little something else, (laughs) you know, whether it's working or volunteering or doing something to, 
whether it's selfish to, to buffer your, your resume or whether it's um, to bolster your resume or to, or to just actually make money and, and help yourself along that way. I feel a lot more at ease going into races when I'm not financially dependent on the outcome. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. a fun way to raise a family either. It's true. So, well, and you know, say running was taken away from you tomorrow. I mean, have you had injuries? I've been really fortunate that I haven't had a lot. I had a little yeah. planter thing pop up at the end of my college career, but no, besides pregnancies, which I actually think maybe has helped stave off injuries because it sort of resets your body. So, oh, what we were talking about before was that I run through my pregnancies. Yes. No, the second two, I did not at all. I couldn't. My, my pelvis hurt so bad. I could hardly stand on one leg. I think the relaxant sets in and my pelvis oh, felt like yes. mm-hmm. um, movable parts. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not normally. And so... Um, I took a long time off of running both pregnancies and I feel like that resets your body and maybe it's helped keep away some of those injuries that runners get. And that's great to hear because a lot of women put a lot of pressure on themselves to stay really fit through a pregnancy Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the wrong way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a time to take care of yourself and a time to take care of your body. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's time to like push yourself and, mm-hmm. and and I don't know have any sort of like outcome based goals. Like I didn't think it was necessary to run at six months pregnant. That didn't do me any good. Right. So that's, that's a great way to look at it. I know I personally had gotten down to like five hundred yards in the pool. Yeah. Like like pushing myself into a two piece bikini because you can't wear one piece. Right. It won't go over that hump. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and just floating mm-hmm. and just appreciating your body in a different way than you ever have. Exactly. I mean, I cross trained a lot. I explored other things that I don't normally get to do when I'm mm-hmm. only focusing on running. Um, so that was fun. Yeah, it was different and it was nice mentally to take that break and you know I am 30 but I still feel like I have um PRs in front of me I still feel like Mm -hmm. I'm getting better and I think part of that is because if you think of um training age the concept of training age I think the number of years I've been training intensely is actually fewer than other 30 year olds because I've had three pregnancies I basically had you know a year and a half off for each one of those pregnancies um well minus Kiki so yeah that's amazing yeah amazing So what would be one thing that you would want your daughters to really take to heart from your career? Um, A couple of things. I think as a mom, it's important to take time for yourself and running in and of itself is, is me time. It's time to enjoy myself and be, be uh, selfish. And then it makes, it makes me a better mom when I come home, I feel refreshed. Um, And then on the flip side of that, like, workouts and and um, pushing myself in races and setting goals and even if I fall short of those goals just trying with everything I have I want my girls to see that too and I think they do uh I agree I think it's amazing all right we're about to get interrupted one Mom, more time. Can you, hit play? you know how to do it no I don't what oh my I goodness don't. Okay, I'm going to fess up. Um, I now have put our kids in front of the TV. So I was just asking Sarah, do your kids watch TV? And Sarah, what were you telling me? Oh, my kids are yeah addicted to YouTube. They'll watch. <laughs> they watch a lot of stuff. Do you put the parental controls on it? Oh, my God. I don't know. I, I don't know. So. Oh, oh, gosh. Oh, I yeah. trust my kid. No, that's good. I know. I know that that's not always enough. Shoot. Thanks for the reminder. Okay, let's do it. Everyone Good. listening, Good put on those controls. I know. So a, le- a couple more questions, and then we'll we'll let the kids, uh, you know, take our attention. 
Um, so you're 30 years old. You've got multiple Olympic trials ahead of you if you want them. Um, you're only going to keep getting better and better. So, you know, at this age and stage, what drives you to wake up in the morning? Uh, just self-improvement. I think at this point you can only be better than the you you were the last race or the last season or whatever. Um, and I know that the time will come when I will stop PRing, you know, and I'll stop getting faster and faster. But for now, that's what, that's what does it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So who, um, have you had someone in your life who you would say has been one of your biggest influences? I've had a lot of really awesome coaches. I think coaches are so important. I think, I think that's why it's important to get our kids into sports. Um, there's, you learn so much about life and I think in running and I've, I've been very fortunate to have good coaches throughout my career, middle school, high school, college, and post-collegiately, I've had a really, really good experience with all of my coaches. So I've taken away something different from all of them. And I've learned a lot about life in general. And, um, you know, as parents, we can only do so much. Uh, but I think having your kids in sports and having them influenced by other positive adults, I think that's important. It is important. You're right. And I often think, you know, I don't remember many of my teachers. I remember a couple, but I remember every single coach I ever had. For sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. So all of you who are out there coaching young kids, mm -hmm. take it to heart. This is important. And they'll probably send you notes and call you later when they're like 25 years old, thanking you for whatever little thing you did that you'll never even remember. For sure. I was just emailing <laughs> with my high school coach this week. Like, it's so fun to stay connected with him. And um, yeah, he taught me how to love and enjoy this sport. So that's really important. Too. Yes, it is. Um, so do you have any questions that no one has ever asked you in this kind of context that you are dying to get out there? Oh my goodness. Maybe that's extreme, but anything you feel like someone should ask you that you just haven't been able to share? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm always a pretty open book. I feel like when it comes to running in pregnancy, uh, a lot of people don't maybe ask questions on a public forum, but like if anybody has questions about anything, I, I always answer emails or private messages. So, um, I don't know. I, I think, think it's so. uh, I think your point is that you're open yeah, and people can sure. find you. And so yeah. if you go to nicoledeboom.com and look at the show notes, we'll have a link to Sarah's website. So it, she's got such a great balanced, healthy approach to running and life in general. And so I encourage you to get over there and check her out. So we're down to the last question that I ask everybody. Um, and that is that if you had one piece of advice, one little nugget for everyone listening to run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Uh, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. And being a mom, that's super hard to remember because even right now as we're doing this podcast, we have a little angst, I'm sure you do too, of what are those kids doing and um, I should be working or maybe I should be at home packing and doing all these other things that life requires. Um, this is more important and it's always a struggle. You're always going to have things pulling you in different directions and you have to con consciously make the choice, um, to take care of yourself. Yep. And that's a really great point. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> so thank you, Sarah, for having the patience to come out here and let our kids run around in the, <laughs> And for trusting me. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> and we're all rooting for you and so proud of you. Great job. Thank you.
Well, well, I hope you enjoyed that one. Intermissions and all. I had a blast with Sarah. You know, it's really cool because she's just so real. I'm sure you got that sense. You know, asking herself, why do I do this to myself? And then reminding herself, I want to be here. These are big messages that I think anybody listening can relate to, whether you're a runner or in business or whatever it is you're doing in your life. We all have those moments where we ask ourselves, why? And just remember, if you didn't ask yourself that, you probably aren't doing something that requires risk and has a great reward at the end. So there you go. Um, The other really cool message that I just want to repeat is her final thought, which is that it's so important to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. As a mom, I'm sure that really, really resonates and that may be what what instigated that thought for her. But in, in this crazy world, I think that is true of anyone at any stage in their lives. So on that note, we will end it for today. You know what time it is. It really doesn't end, does it? <laughs> it's time to get out there and run this world. So have a great workout. We'll see you next week.